0: You're listening to Episode 8 of the Master Your Mind Business and Life Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Norma Jean Belenke. She is a singer, songwriter, artist, and the founder of Camp Clarity. Norma Jean is sharing her journey of living in numerous countries, how it shifted her mindset, helped her grow, plus we have an amazing conversation all about creativity, purpose, and inspiration. You ready? Tune in. Turn it up. Let's go. You're
1: listening to Master Your Mind, Business, and Life. Conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith.
0: Hey, everyone. It's Lauren Smith. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Creative outlets come in numerous forms, and for this creative entrepreneur, singer, songwriter, and artist— Creativity is sparked in numerous ways. Norma Jean has a fascinating journey and an amazing outlook on life. She braves the world and dares to step out of her comfort zone on a continuous basis. I am so excited for this conversation. So without further ado, I bring you Norma Jean. Norma Jean, thanks for joining me today. I'm so excited to be here. Hello, Hello. Lauren. Me too, I too. Can you believe that it's been almost three years since I met you in Bali? No. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> Blink of an eye
1: and went by Time that Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. Well,
0: or when you're traveling all over the world because I swear every day I look at your Instagram and it feels like you're in a different country or a different state. You're all over the place.
1: It's dizzying. It is. It's totally dizzying. I uh yeah, I've been mostly Bali based for the past 3 years. Um but uh, you know, Bali's one of those places where with visas and you have to go on visa runs quite a bit and seeing family and all that. So it seems like I'm traveling quite a bit, um, but I'm, I'm a little bit more settled now. I'm in Oregon for a while. Um, and then I'll be back in Bali in February uh, for my next retreat.
0: Nice. So I, I think this is right. You originally are a California girl. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So you were going to go to law school. I know that. And then you ended up in Bali. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> I did, it's it's such an intense
1: story. Here we go. Let's hear I'm, it. I'm, I'm bringing it. All right. So I was living in South Korea at the time. I went after college. After college, I took a short period of time where I had seen the show Entourage, and I thought, oh, I could be an agent. That doesn't look hard. I'll do that. So I moved back down to LA, where I'm from. I, I went to university in San Francisco, University of San Francisco, Go Doms, And uh, and. <laughs> I worked in international film finance and distribution on the tail end of working at a talent agency. So I worked in in the film industry, like the business side of entertainment, for maybe a year and a half. Okay. And I went to a film market. I worked the the AFM film market. I'm going to really give you all the details. I worked this film market, and everyone there kind of had these globetrotting, you know, film, global market things, lives, and schedules. And I thought, oh, you know, I studied international business, I'd never been abroad. So I really was like, okay, I'm, I need to go abroad. And uh, this guy that I was, and am Facebook friends with, but don't know very well from college was in Korea and had a blog and I read it and I was like, oh, I could do that. So I did some research and I was, and I got a job and I went to South Korea. I knew nothing about South Korea. Um, and I knew it was kind of that time for me in my early twenties where I needed to go somewhere completely different and face the things that kept coming up. Right. You know, because sometimes you go and work totally different. Everything about it is different, but you just keep hitting the same roadblocks and you're like, it's me. Right? So, so, you know, and I needed just that complete like world shift to just ha- have experience wonder and eat kimchi and make friends and travel and do all that. So that was a great two years. And my last trip that I took, uh, I went to Bali I was supposed to go to South Africa. I have so many South African friends. It was really a heartbreak, but I just, I, you know, I had to go to Bali instead. And when I went, I made a bunch of friends that were musicians. And this is what I didn't say, sorry. In my little tiny South Korean apartment, which it looks kind of like, it, look, it looks just like a bedroom with a tiny bathroom attached and then a tiny kitchen in the room where you put your shoes. Like it's a tiny apartment. Right. And it was winter and I'd never lived anywhere that was cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from California. I grew up in LA. I was like, snow, that's something you visit. Right. <laughs> so like literally you visit snow when you live in LA. And um, yeah. So then I, I started writing these songs when I was kind of in my house in winter and it was cold and I I just had started writing all these little songs. And when I went to Bali, I made all these musician and artist friends. And they, I was walking down the street one day and they had this great art shop. My friends, Clacey and Hero and Fajar, they had this beautiful art shop called Asu Art Attack. And they were sitting outside. Everyone used to sit outside and jam and hang out. And they were sitting outside one day and I went and sat with them. They said, we want to write some songs. I'm like, oh, I just wrote all these songs. And they're like, what do you mean? So I sang them one of my songs, and they were like, oh, no, 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 you're, those are like, you're great. What are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I just wrote all these songs, and they are like, you should come back and make an album of your songs. And I was like, oh, okay. And they were friends with um, some pretty well-known musicians in the U.S. Who, who had just recorded in Bali, so they knew that there were some studios, and, you know, it was possible there, because you go to Bali, and you're like, rice fields. Right. <laughs> But yeah, there's, yeah. So I went to record my first album, and my plan in South Korea was okay, I'm going to do this for two years, and then the best way to reintegrate into the United States would be grad school. And, you know, I come from a family of lawyers, I always found it really interesting. Um, And so I thought, okay, I'll I'll be a lawyer. And I got into all these law schools. I took the LSAT in Seoul. Like it was so random, you know, all these kind of fun, weird things. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, law school's supposed to start in like August, September. I'll just go to Bali. My contract was up in March. I'll go to Bali for like four months. Then I'll go to law school. Um, And then I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) uh, My album took a bit longer in post-production and I realized if I still really wanted to go to law school, I could do it later. But I might not be able to do... Um, to live in Bali and make my music. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah, the landscape in Bali has changed. So it really was this very magical time where the yoga industry was just kind of emerging, that yoga, wellness, lifestyle industry. It was there, but it wasn't the main industry. And there was all of these expats and artists and musicians, and it was this beautiful collaborative time.
0: Yeah. So when you, you had never traveled internationally before... When I went to Bali, that was my first time that I traveled international. Abroad. Yes. And Girl. I know. Yes. And I had complete culture shock the first day. Did you experience that when you first went to uh, Korea? Did you, ha- like, did you? Oh my God, it? totally.
1: Yeah. Oh my God, 100%. Yeah.
0: I kind totally. of, for a while, was like, what am I doing here?
1: <laughs> I'm now having culture shock back in the United States. <laughs> Whole different way. We talked about this a little bit um, before we started recording, but like, Grocery stores are very overwhelming here. It's like there's 35 kinds of toothpaste. Like, do people need that much choice? Right. It's overwhelming. So, in the United States, I get that kind of consumerist culture shock. But in Asia, yeah, it's definitely there's things that are completely different and things that people don't have that you think they need or, you know, that we think are vital in the West that aren't. And then there's just different ways of doing things. So, like in South Korea, when they have garbage pickup, it's not a service that empties your bins. You buy a designated government garbage bag from the grocery store. There's a tax on it. And then you just fill it up and leave it anywhere. Wow. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, so you, they don't collect the bin. They, or they don't empty the bin. They collect the bag. Like a little kind of like logic things are different. Right. Um, but then also, you know, the way that people spend their time, what people value is different. Mm-hmm. Um, what people need is different. I mean, even just like from a, from a physical standpoint, right? I, right now I'm in Oregon. It's cold. Like you don't need socks when you're in Bali. You don't need jackets. So the requirements for you know general life are different um, and it's slower. And I find that when you're in a place that's less developed, there is this feeling that more is possible because less has been done if that makes sense.
0: I like that. Yeah, that's really that's a great way of putting it. And I I you know, everything is slower except for the traffic.
1: <laughs> oh my god, the traffic's so bad.
0: It that that oh. was what scared me because when we had gotten picked up um from our driver Natasha, who was with me, she lived in Puerto Rico. So it was very similar driving styles and, you know, like no real rules of the road. Oh yeah. And so she just like, it felt normal to her. And I'm in the backseat holding my legs, breathing heavy, just like, (gasps) you know, like, are are we going to survive this? this? I was terrified. And then I had seen on a scooter, there was a man driving it Mm -hmm. and, um, a, I don't know, maybe a two-year-old and yeah. then his wife and then attached to her was like a baby on her back. Yeah, And totally. they were all on one scooter. And I was like, where are their helmets? You know, It's like, yeah, oh 100%. normal life for them. So like, that was like my first impression. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is too crazy for me. But then when I was there, aside of the traffic, it was just life. It just seemed to like slowly move by. Like the days felt long. Like there wasn't this pressure that yeah. you get like every day in the States. So since traveling in general, um, especially in, in Asia, and really all over the world, how has your outlook on life changed?
1: Oh, completely. Um, yeah. I mean, like hundred percent flipped. I think it's one of those things where... I went into it thinking, okay, what's out here? And then I left realizing that the culture that I came from maybe isn't the best culture and that every place you go and everywhere you are, there's something valuable to be had and there's something to learn and there's something to take with you. So, I mean, you know, I think it's, for me personally, wherever I am, I find what's magical about that place, right? So in Bali, you're the, sometimes the produce that we're used to in the U.S., you just don't get. Or it's very expensive. It's like prohibitively expensive. Right. So yeah, I mean like it's, yeah, you just don't buy it. There's no, there's get no point. Get
0: me a mangosteen. I need a mangosteen. Right, right. <laughs> so
1: like in the U.S., like tropical fruit is is ridiculous, right? But in Bali, a giant mango is like a dollar- less a giant papaya is a dollar a giant mango is like 70 maybe less like they're they're so cheap but here in like where I am in Oregon in the United States we have Haas avocados we have blueberries almond milk is reasonably priced because almonds are from the United States so you know it's important to find the things about the place that are, are that really resonate and then there's things i think that you take with you um whether it's you know, like a lesson that you learned or a spiritual practice that you have or um, something that you integrate into your business, whatever it is, you know, you're able to take it with you. And I think also it it helped me realize that, you know, I think in general, there's kind of two kinds of people. There's people that are very tied to a place and then there's people that are a little bit mobile. Mm -hmm. And I've always been that kind of mobile person, right? I've always been that kind of chameleon where I can go anywhere and, and make it work. Right. Um, And after a while of doing that and living in like six countries, you kind of get to the point where you not only can fit in, but you think, okay, what do I want to contribute? What do I want to get out of this? And that, and that changes the conversation a little bit. You know, when you're somewhere a little bit longer, you think, okay, who do I want to connect with? What do I want to build here? You know, that kind of a thing. Or what do I want to build for myself while I'm here? Right. Um, whether it's a practice, whether it's a part of your business, whether it's an art project. I mean, I'm, I'm a multifaceted, creative human being. And between all of my projects, you know, I have daily doodle illustrations. I make music. I have the podcast Stay Wild. I run Camp Clarity, Transformational Women's Retreat. You know, it's, it's important to be really project focused and understand that some places are going to be more productive than other places. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, like I could say all this stuff, but at the end of the day, it's really about people, right? The thing that matters most in life is who you spend it with and who you connect with. Yeah. So, I mean, I have friends all over the world and I'm so lucky for that. Um, partly because any time of day I can just like think like, oh, what time is it somewhere? And like someone will be awake and (laughs) connect and I have an amazing group of friends that are on my team, and that's so important to have that tribe of people who are like, "Girl, I got you," and um, that not only understand you but support you in that way. Um, yeah, and I think when when you have those kind of people, like I could go to, you know, it's it's one of those things where pretty much anywhere I go in the world, I'll know someone, or someone I know will know someone. Yeah. And that's really great, but it's also having that understanding because when you've been abroad a really long time, you're different. And yeah. it's not it's not like a good or a bad thing. It's just that your your view is a little bit expanded. Right. So, it it can be harder to get into where you are, but also you have this view that like anything's possible and you can always just get on a plane. It's not that big a deal. Whereas for other people, it's a very big deal to go and visit someone in Bali or in India or across the United States. It's a big deal. But when you have that mentality of living abroad and when you have to travel so much because like, you know, with your visa, you have to leave every two months and your family is across the world. It becomes a little bit more routine and the world becomes a smaller place.
0: Mm. Now, do you think, have you always been a spiritual person or did, have you developed spirituality
1: since you were in Asia? Kind of both. Um, I've always been very intuitive yeah, and creative. But for a very long time, I blocked that energy. I wouldn't let myself be creative. And this is a really big part of my musical journey. I didn't start singing until I was 25. Really? From, yeah, yeah. Because I'm from LA and I thought, you have to look like Taylor Swift to sing. Um, and I had this like kind of warped view of, you know, the perfection myth. Yeah. Which is t- a total myth. And now I teach create- creative work- like workshops on creativity. Uh, one's called How to Be a Creative Badass <laughs> because we put so many restrictions on ourselves. And I, you know, so for me, my spirituality came out of creativity, mm-hmm. it came out of accessing that divine muse of I'm bringing something into the world that wasn't here until I brought it. Um and so for me it was always based around that and then when you live somewhere that's a spiritual hub as right. Bali kind of is I mean it's incredible. I've gotten the chance to practice and you know take workshops and trainings and learn from some of the best teachers in the world. Um, and not best like they can, you know, do some instagram circus thing but best is in they teach people how to connect with their bodies using their breath mm. they teach people how to be present and and guide and you know the best teacher really will only teach you so far and then you teach yourself that's so true yeah because you know and this whole like oh you know my teacher is everything no The best teachers who, you know, who studied with the best people in India who have that kind of lineage and who have really, you know, even gone in and developed trainings and programs for women, they're like, look, I'm here to give you what I have. Right. I'm not here to be on a pedestal. That's not the jam. So when I, you know, so because I spent so much time in Bali, I had access to that. And then, you know, the last like three or four years, it really has just developed my spiritual practice has developed from one that was very personal, you know, really just kind of having my own full moon, new moon rituals, having my own yoga practice to really committing to things that bring me joy. Mm. Um Yeah. So for me, that was a lot of changes. Um And I think, you know, when you decide to live your life a certain way, you, you have to commit, right? Like for me, it took me a really long time to say, I'm an artist. Like it took me so long to say, I'm, I'm a musician. I sing, you know, original music that I write. I sing jazz. I'm an artist. It took me years to be able to just say those three words. Um, but once I did, you know, there's this kind of commitment that comes with it. And when you put yourself out there in that way, you have to show up, um, and so for me, that meant cutting out a lot of things that I thought went with that, that I thought were attached to that, that weren't. Mm. Um,
0: I would mm. have never guessed that that you struggled saying that you were an artist because the I think it was our last night um, in in Ubud. It was the the staff appreciation. Oh yeah, we're and so you just good. jumped yeah. up and sang, and I was like. Holy crap! Like her voice is amazing. And then when you had your album out, I like downloaded it and I listened to the whole thing. I was like, had goosebumps. So it's kind of mind blowing to me to hear that you didn't even think of yourself in that way because the Norma Jean that I knew was already established as that person. You know, so yeah. like perception versus the, reality.
1: Absolutely, and that's the difference between how we see ourselves and how others see us. Yes, and I think it's really important, like you know when i decided to make music for a long time i was really struggling and that's because you know i i made it with the expectations of other people or the expectations i placed on myself that i thought other people might have for me right like how many people are going to hear my music how famous am i going to get you know how do i sound like and at the end of the day when you have a gift or when you feel called to do something like when i sing that is when i'm in my most that's when i'm most myself and that's when i feel like I'm really the like the essence of me really comes out when I sing, you know, and I'm really able to give that to the world. And I have to just completely let go of what any of the other crap around that means, right. otherwise I won't be able to do it. Well, you um, were just
0: in India, right? Singing. Yeah. Is that.
1: What were you? Yeah, doing? I spent the summer with a theater group in uh, in a city called Oroville which is the spiritual community um, just near Pondicherry in the south of India in a state called Chennai.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, I sang jazz in a play. It was really fun. That's um, so fun. It was really fun. And you know, it was just also the other thing about my life in particular that's a little bit weird is you just have to kind of say what the heck at every point. Right. So the like universe it. gives you an opportunity and you just have to keep taking these leaps of faith, or I do. And so I was doing an artist residency in India, which happened as a leap of faith in January. And when I was in India, I was in Bangalore, which is kind of the middle of the South. It's amazing. I love Bangalore. Shout out to all my Bangalore friends. <laughs> um, when I was there, I went to Oroville for two days and I met the woman who uh, directs the theater group and she invited me to come back. And so I did. And then in May, I got on a plane. I was there for four months. Yeah. It was incredible. And we did a show in Oroville for I mean, we, you know, we were in rehearsal for quite a long time. It was a really beautiful process because it was, it wasn't like, you know, a traditional theater group in the U S where you rehearse for three weeks and then you really, you know, perform for a long time. It was very exploratory in its process. So we all really bonded as a group and, uh, you know, we had dinner every night and it really felt like a family. So that was nice. And, uh, India has its charms. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a big fan. India feels like home for me in a different way. Yeah. And your dad was with you for a portion of that, right? I know my dad came. Everyone I know and all my Insta fam are all like, oh my God, your dad's so funny. He's so the cutest. Dad, you guys are just so such a great. tandem together. <laughs> so awesome. Oh my God. It was so great. Cause my dad, you know, he's a bit older. He's like 66 right now. And, um, you know, it, he, he came over to see my performances and I felt so lucky and and so honored that he could do that. You know, he could fly across the world and come to India and and um you know show up for all my performances and uh you know I thought okay dad let's go on a trip somewhere in the middle so we went from the south uh southeast of india to, to the very north to varanasi not the very north but in the north on the ganges river which mm-hmm. is a very spiritual place okay. and my dad you know he's he's when you're traveling for less time and when you have a little bit less time to spend somewhere You kind of value comfort over authenticity sometimes. So, you know, we stayed places that had air conditioning and, you know, we like booked tours some days so we could make sure we saw everything. Um, But it was really fun traveling with my dad. It was, you know, family is always, they always push the buttons. But it was, it was really, it was a fun trip. And uh, it was nice having someone from the US come and see my performance and meet all my, friends that I, you know, that we really all connected with for the summer. And, you know, we saw quite a bit of India because we were in the South and then we went to the North and then we went to Bangalore. Um, and then my dad and I also went to Mysore as well, which is another yoga hub, but we, we didn't do yoga there. It's the capital of Ashtanga yoga.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: nice. So, and it was fun, you know, it was really nice getting to share India with my dad. Um, cause he had actually been in 1980 backpacking through and, uh, so it's definitely India itself has changed quite a bit. Now, instead of trains, they have you know the equivalent of like Ryanair or AirAsia throughout the country. You can get cheap flights and just go places pretty quickly. It's very modern in a lot of ways.
0: I was about to ask you that if he had said it had changed because I was talking to someone... Um who was a missionary and she goes to Haiti a lot. And she was just saying that Haiti hasn't changed in 25 years. So I'm always interested in other countries, like
1: how how their development is. I mean, India's economy is booming. It's incredible. And there's all these, you know, because of tech and because of development, there's this emerging middle class that is creating things. Like when I did a residency in Bangalore, In January, it was at a creative expression space in Bangalore called Lahe Lahe. They're amazing. They have a cafe downstairs. They have um, a pottery studio. They have workshop spaces. They have performance spaces. It's incredible. And there's this emerging middle class of people that are educated and want to have a say and want to build things and want to grow things and want to create in this really inspiring way, um, both, you know, entrepreneurially and creatively. So India is an amazing place. So that mixed with the incredibly intoxicating India that already exists of the food flavors and the colors and the textiles. I mean, I'm in love with um, block printed textiles. I ended up, you know, there's a couple shops, even in Bangalore where that's not the tradition. It's more in the North in Jaipur. There's some shops that where they bring it in from Jaipur and it's so beautiful and you know they're stamping out patterns with like three or four different blocks and lining up the pattern for each one it's incredible i mean that and then there's like there's so many different art forms it's just so beautiful and that with the food and the traditions and the dance and the music it's intoxicating it's just it it just it woos you in this way where you feel like someone is playing an instrument That your soul is hearing—it's so amazing!
0: Wow, I think you've kind of sold me on on
1: India's great. It's (laughs) it's definitely—it's definitely definitely a balance. Like, yeah, they're very hectic, and it has a lot of the same things as Bali. So, comparing India to Bali is really interesting because Bali is an island in Indonesia, but the majority of Bali is Hindu, right? It's only Hindu population in Indonesia, but it's predominantly Hindu. India is predominantly Hindu, but it's mixed throughout. So within that Hinduism, you get Islam, you get Christianity, you get Sikhism, and you, you get a lot of different religions. So it's a little bit more of a melting pot. So the consciousness is slightly different. And Bali is a place where meditation and religion and Hinduism uh, is the most important thing to the Balinese people. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I first moved to Bali, a lot of restaurants were like on ceremony days, our staff just doesn't show up because that's the most important thing. Um, Now it's a little bit different, but in India, commerce is happening and things are busy and moving and growing and developing amongst this beautiful spirituality of Hinduism and temples. It's it's just so, it's such a melting pot, I find.
0: Well, you were talking about India and their art, but you are also an artist and you do these amazing daily doodles so I do I love them I love them because they're so real and somehow I feel like when you do these doodles you know what's going on in my head <laughs> because I, they resonate with me so more times than not you know like I just read them like how did she know I was going through that today or hey I was yeah. just thinking that so when did you start doing these doodles like how did that all come
1: about the daily doodles. So I was living in Australia. Oh gosh. Another country. I know. I know. I know. I was living in Australia in 2014 and I had never really experienced an Australian winter, which was very cold. But, um, the interesting thing about it was, it was like, it it didn't snow Australia, like Melbourne. I was living in Melbourne. It's not that cold. But it's like this gloominess, you know. It's like in Harry Potter when the Dementors come and the sky is dark. (laughs) It was so gloomy, and I was—I had been dating someone, and it didn't work out. And I just felt sad and cold and alone. And I started drawing these little cheeky chicken cartoons about what I wished someone would say to me, Mm. like it's going to all be okay,
0: Mm. or
1: you know, you're doing do your best. All you can do is your best, or. you know, F the haters or whatever it is. Right. right. So yeah. And they kind of grew out of that. So I started drawing them for myself as really like a therapeutic thing. And then I would just, you know, screenshot them on my phone and send them to friends. Um, and then in 2015, or end of 2014, I decided very ambitiously, I'm gonna do one every day. I'm gonna get an Instagram. I literally was the last person on Instagram. <laughs> I was like, guys, I'm going to get one because I didn't have a smartphone for a long time. I was living in Bali um, from 2012 to 2014 and I didn't have a smartphone. Uh, I did for a very short period of time, but it got stolen. And then I was like, what's the point? So it was like pre everyone's super connected. Right. And so then when I was in Australia, at the end of my year in Australia, I got a smartphone. So I had started taking pictures, sending the cartoons to other friends. And then I was living in, I moved to New Zealand end of 2014, very ambitiously, 2015. I thought, I'm going to post one every day for a year on my Instagram. I'm going to do that. And, you know, like with all art, sometimes we have expectations. And I thought, I'm going to get super famous in like a month. Um, and I have a following now. It's great. I love my followers and I love connecting with people. But you can't make art for that reason, right? Just like I was saying, I can't sing, you know, for who's listening. I have to do it because that's what I feel divinely called to do. So... Yeah, they I decided to do one every day for a year very ambitiously. And some days I was like, what am I going to draw today? Is today the day I don't make it? Um but I find with creativity and with having a creative practice. You know, it's it's you have to show up to catch the wave, right? You have to get in the water with your surfboard, paddle out, and then the wave will come, right? That wave of creativity. So it did it was actually really beautiful in the way that I had to learn how to build that practice for myself creatively. Um, and then I made it through the year. I had moved back to Bali at the end of that year. That was, we met just after that the following year. Okay. Um, yeah. So I moved back to Bali end of 2015 and I felt like I wasn't done. I felt like the, the cheeky chickens had more to say. And so I decided to keep going. And so I did one every day, every single day for a thousand days without stopping which was incredible, um and now I do like one every two days because I'm just like balance,, you right. know? <laughs> but having that practice was so beautiful, and you know, I think once you show up and you have that creative practice and you agree you know with yourself, you make an agreement with yourself, you make an agreement with the universe that you're gonna do this, drawing that cartoon every day, that's when the intuition kicks in, right, because creativity, which is a lot of people don't talk about this all the time, but you're choosing to bring something into the world that didn't exist. It did not exist until you chose to be the channel for it. Mm. And so there is a spiritual component to creativity that a lot of people, it's a little bit woo-woo, right? But when you think about it, right? When you read uh, an amazing book or when you listen to a song and it just hits you, right? There's There's something there that you resonate with that someone else created in the world that we that wouldn't have existed if they hadn't have shown up
0: that is powerful what you just said is so powerful because it's so true that in different art forms it's so intense and just crazy to me of how we can connect and resonate with someone else who we may not know, we've never met. And especially like songs and I, songs comes up a lot because for me, when I'm in a bad mood, you know, I just blare music as yesterday we were talking and I was just having a day. And after, you know, we got off and I had to go pick up my little one, I just cranked up the music in my car and it just, it just kind of melts things away. So even doodles and just reading things and it's, it's powerful and inspiring yeah. to know that there's someone else out there who is either experiencing the same things, having the same thoughts. And just, it helps you know, like, you're not alone. You're not alone in this journey at all. Absolutely.
1: I mean, I think most of life is understanding each other, right? I mean, whether it's with a like person to person, having a conversation, whether it's a business, right? Like, I'm going to make something that's going to add value to your life. Your life is going to have value added to it because I'm like, that's a communication as well. Same with art. I'm expressing something that is inherently human and you are also human and you're having a similar experience. Um, and so the cartoons for me, it is very intuitive. And, um, I was actually talking to another Insta Insta fam, uh, illustrator named Tori press and she said the same thing. I said, you know, do you intuitively feel which which illustration is going to be the right one? She said, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's something where you can kind of, through, our, through the lens of our own experience or our own selves or our own, you know, lives or what we're going through, we can access, I think, what other people are going through as well.
0: So true. So how do you think that others who may not feel as if they're a creative person, um, or maybe who they've just lost a spark of creativity. What, what are some ways that they can kind of bounce back and connect with that creativity or feel inspired
1: again? Yeah, totally. And that's really hard. Staying inspired is rough. I mean, you know, I think it's why a lot of musicians have substance abuse issues. I think it's why, you know, there's a lot of drama with actors. And, you know, I, you know, I think, in terms of being a creative, there is always that, you know, sometimes it's easier to seek that external, whatever it is, instead of having to create it yourself, right? It's always easier to go out to a restaurant than it is to make your own dinner. Um, and in terms of like having that creative energy, you know, it's a combination of practical and spiritual, right? I mean, what are your creative conditions? I talk to people about this all the time, right? Like, what do you need to creatively show up? For me, I don't like music. I like silence. I like fuzzy socks on my feet. If my feet are cold, I can't, I can't create. Mm. yeah. Yeah. If I'm drawing cartoons, I need to, you know, sometimes I'll write down ideas when they come beforehand. Sometimes I'll just sit at my, I used to draw them by hand until I was traveling with 35 notebooks. So then my friends got me an iPad Pro because I literally, I just like, whenever I, you know, would like move countries or travel, you know, with a lot of stuff, I would just have to bring all my notebooks and it was just right. so much. So, yeah. So for me, it's like, then I'll sit down in my iPad Pro and then, you know, maybe 10 ideas will flow out at once. Mm. Um, but it's what do you need? right? Do you need to move your body? Do you have energy stuck in your body? Do you need to listen to music? Do you need to talk to someone? Do you need to do a meditation? Like what do you need to show up? Do you need to dance? like sometimes you just gotta like crank out that music and like do an ecstatic dance in your house, in your pajamas, whatever it is, right? Like what do you need because everybody needs things to create, and they're not always the things that you intuitively would think of, right. A lot for a lot of people, myself included, it's having a space. Mm-hmm. So I have a desk, a designated space where I work and create, and then I can—I know that space is there for me. Yes, I um, for me, like I said, it's fuzzy socks. For other people, they—you know—they have to eat a certain food, or they have to have their coffee in a certain place, or they have to sage their space first. Whatever it is, right? And some things that don't make sense to other people don't have to. They just have to make sense to you.
0: That's so true.
1: And like your art doesn't have to make sense to other people. So being afraid to put it out there, let that go. Like, because what if every piece of art, right? Every painting, every cartoon, every piece of music, every book, every poem, every Instagram inst- inspirational quote, like, what if someone was like, oh, I wonder if people won't like it? And then they just didn't put it out there. Yeah. Like, imagine all the movies and theater we'd miss, right? Right. It's, so I think it's one of those things where you also just have to put it out there. And for a long time, I felt so much anxiety about my art, right? Like, is this legitimate? Do I have a right to be here? Am I good enough? Especially with my music. You know, I had this theory that, like, there's two kinds of art. There's art that you make, and then there's, like, paste eater art, where you're in kindergarten, you ate half the thing of paste. That's me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at the same time, there is no paste eater art. Everyone can create, everyone can sing, everyone can dance, everyone can write, everyone has a story. And so I think when we deny ourselves that expression, we're denying an an intrinsically human part of ourselves because creative expression is just human expression.
0: Mm.
1: That's powerful. Yeah. That's how I feel about it. (laughs) So...
0: So we kind of touched a little bit um, about Camp Clarity. So can yes. you tell us about this? Because I when when I heard about this, I was so excited for you. So I'm doing
1: a chest pump over here. I'm just yeah. like, you can't <laughs> see me, but I'm like yes. I'm like hands up in the air. Camp Clarity is legitimately one of the coolest things I've ever done. It's a week for women that I created in Bali, and I lived in Bali for five years. And it's an incredible place. Bali is an amazing place. There's amazing spirituality. And it is like the Disneyland of spirituality. Let's be clear here. You have the best yoga teachers in the world. You have amazing spas and massages. You have this incredible Balinese culture. But throughout that, it's really hard to navigate. It is. And a lot of people go in wanting to have experiences that don't get to because they don't have enough time to suss out like who's what they actually want to you know, connect with, who they want to connect with, what they want to connect with and have the time to find those people. Um, And having been there for five years, I wanted to create a week for women where they could show up and gain tools and insight and move into a place in their lives where they can level up. Mm. And so that's how Cam came about. And I thought, okay, I want this to be the best week. And I had a partner, we were doing it together. And then um, she went on to do other projects. And so I really just did it. And it was also one of those things where the universe is like, girl, this is your thing. Own um, it. yeah, exactly. And it's like a week of amazing Villa, incredible plant-based food. And I had women come in that were like, you know, like I would never eat this food. I would never order this in a restaurant, but I feel amazing. And I don't feel deprived and I, it's amazing food. Right. Um, like workshops where we talk about the parts of the brain and identifying trauma in your brain, where we talk about women's self-care tools, where we, do, where we talk about Taoist breast massage, where we go over facial acupressure. We do a full moon circle, workshops on meditation and journaling, workshops on problem solving in a supportive group, workshops on the moon cycle and how to time your life with that. Um, we made malas with the woman who was like divinely guided to um to create a company that spread malas to the world. You know, they come in and we we set our intentions, and we we make beautiful malas. We go to authentic like villages where we're in a Balinese family that I, I know them at Balinese family's house, and we cook dinner with them, and they show us how to make all these traditional dishes um we go to sound healing and we have a private session with the woman who's been doing it for 40 years i mean you know I, I realized i was kind of sitting on this gold mine of transformation and i after after having run workshops for quite a while learning that you know p- this is what people are seeking and you can create a space for people where they can really show up And let go of what's been holding them back, not in like a cathartic, you know, sad lady way, but in a like, hey, let's have fun and let's do some workshops and let's go to sound healing. And we have daily yoga meditation, and it's not, you know, yoga where it's super athletic, it's yoga where it's like, hey, you can take these exercises home and do them at home. This is, these are what this is what we do to connect to our body. This is the essential oil for this chakra, you know, and we really get into it. And it's accessible because a lot of women are afraid to go to yoga classes because they're too intimidated by this culture of you know perfection in Lululemon yoga pants. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's it's a real thing. Yeah. Um, so apart from that, or they're you know they're seeking to deepen. Or build a practice, right? They're dipping their toes into those spiritual waters and they want more. And so it came out of that. And the women who came just they transform, you know, they're it's incredible. It's just it's incredible. And I feel so honored to be able to facilitate and lead workshops and hold space for this kind of thing. And it's fun, like it's so
0: much fun. So um,
1: yeah, it's like super fun. Um, it's pretty much like the best week in Bali I could come up with. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I lived there for five years and you know, a lot of my teachers come in and teach cause I, you know, I know I'm not an expert. I'm not a yoga teacher. I, I know quite a lot about yoga and I have been practicing for a while. Um, you know, quite a few years, but I want someone who that's their calling. Right you know i want people who are like yes this is my jam to come and show up um and i think that's what's made the difference you know and i know bali so well and i know the community there so well that i'm able to really facilitate things that are both valuable and unique oh, that's i know so it's so uplifting it's so much fun it's li- <laughs> and it's literally just like summer camp for Adult women. Like we come, we have so much fun, we grow, you know, we learn things, and then, you know, we have those friendships. It's amazing. Do you feel that trying new things and
0: kind of pushing yourself out of your normal comfort lever, level kind of helps you connect more with your overall purpose in life? Yes and
1: no. Okay, go for it. So I feel like a lot of the time, sometimes people like pressure us into saying like, Oh, we well, should try this. And it's like, intuitively we know, um, what, what's good for us and what's not right. Like if someone, if someone says like, Oh, Hey, you should try this thing, whether it's a yoga class or whether it's a meditation or whether, you know, they're handing you a drink at a bar, whatever it is, right. Your intuition's going to tell you that's for me or not right? It's either going to be like, ding, ding, that's for me. I need that glass of wine or I'm taking that yoga class. Or it's going to be like, no, no, thank you. So I think it's important to listen to our internal guides and our internal compass for that. um, Because a lot of the time there is also a peer pressure, a cool factor in terms of creativity and in terms of spirituality and in terms of life in general, right? But absolutely. So apart from, you know, Listening to your intuition because it will tell you, and there's a difference between fear and intuition, right? Because fear will say, No, 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 no. And as soon as you do it, you're like, Oh, okay, I'm actually supposed to do this. But intuition, like, it's like, No, nah, girl, this is you're not about that life, yeah. You know, like whether it's a yoga class that pushes you too hard, you know, where you lose your breath, because anytime in yoga you lose your breath, you've lost the plot. Let's be clear about that. Um, yoga is about the connection between your body and your mind and your breath is that common language. So let's just be like baseline, right? That's my personal rant, mini rant. <laughs> um, so yeah. So whether it's like a yoga class that pushes you to or a class, like you're going to know, but apart from that and listening to your intuition, changing your perspective is important because a lot of the time. We don't see things outside of ourselves until we shift. Mm. And that shift can be internal. You know, that shift can be, I'm going to really commit and dig deep where I am. And I'm going to grow where I'm planted. Or that shift can be, I'm going to see the world and I'm going to see how I fit into it and what I can contribute and what I find to be beautiful and relevant and valuable.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so one last question I have for you. Bring a girl. All right. So this one is specifically for our listeners today. If you have one piece of advice for anyone listening, what's that intuitive voice telling you right now in this moment?
1: Don't doubt yourself.
0: Ooh, ooh,
1: that's it. So damn it's, true. <laughs> yeah, it's like because a lot of the stuff that I do, it's entrepre- Like I, I, I find that I'm the Venn diagram of like entrepreneurship. Creativity and spirituality, right? Like I make a lot of art. That's really my main thing. I'm a spiritual person, and I have some businesses. Um, and I, you know, I've had other businesses where I help other people with their businesses. So I think it's not to doubt yourself and to to turn off whatever it is that's causing that insecurity. I've unfollowed and unfriended people because I'm like, I'm just. It's making me feel bad to see their stuff. It's making my stuff feel less relevant and I'm not less relevant. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yes. I am not less relevant. I
1: I am not less relevant and I I I have every right to be here. And my idea is just as valid, equally valid. In fact, more valid to me because it's mine and I'm utilizing it. Wow. Strong message, my friend. Strong message. I love it
0: well norma jean thank you for joining me today can you tell our listeners where they can connect with you more and find out about camp clarity and follow your doodles and all the good stuff you have
1: yes come find me um my instagram is at norma jean loves doodles where i have all my stuff there you can see it all and my website for most of the cartoons is njloves.com you can find my music on Spotify, my latest album, Bali and Back Again. Sorry, I have like a like a sniffly moment. <laughs> I'm getting like a – I'm not used to cold weather, and I'm like, oh, I woke up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my music is on Spotify. If you just look up Bali and Back Again, because there's a few Norma Jeans. One of them is a really big hardcore Christian punk band, I think. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, just look for Bali and Back Again, and you'll see the Cheeky Chicken. That's my latest album, and it's all about living in Bali and – love and life and it's a beautiful it was recorded in the rice fields of bali it's amazing um and camp clarity is incredible i hope to see some of you there it is the best week in bali and it's really just to come and connect in and get your joy on and that is at join camp clarity dot com um So yeah, and
0: and your Stay Wild podcast. Oh yes, sorry,
1: cannot forget that. (laughs) So many projects. Um, Stay Wild podcast. That is now we're now on Spotify and Google Play. We're on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And Stay Wild podcast is a podcast about how to keep your quirks in the world. So I interview people that are out there doing their thing. Love
0: it. Love it. Well, thank you again, Norma Jean. Thanks so much for joining me. me. I'm so glad we could we could connect and catch back up. Same. All right, we'll talk soon. Thanks again to Norma Jean for joining me. As mentioned, you can find more about Norma Jean on her website, njloves.com, or head to the episode notes on mindbizlife.com for direct links to her social platforms and website. And let me tell you, I've been loving the feedback and reviews that you've left on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and beyond. If you haven't left a review back, I really encourage you to do so. I value your feedback, and it helps me grow and cater content to you. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at at @mindbizlife. Not only do I share daily content, but I'm working on an IGTV series. If Instagram isn't your thing, you can join our private Facebook group. Simply search Master Your Mind Business and Life on Facebook, send a request, and I'll let you in. Well, that's it. That's a wrap for today. Thanks for tuning in for another great episode. I'll see you back here next week. And until then, remember, every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.